Hello Joshua, how are you? Is everything fine? Yeah, this is going to be very exciting. Oh, hello. Oh, my Gladiators! Make it stop! Things, do them, happenings. <laughs> Brutal setup here. We are always busting, busting our, our balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Netflix and Thrill. Um, I am one of your hosts, called Marcus. Your other host is called Josh. <laughs> welcome, goblins and ghouls, to the Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> Is that all I'm allowed to do? Is that it for the episode? To add, to add some visual to the verbal, I physically recoiled at Josh doing that just then because it was horrible and scary. Good. It's well, Halloween. It's supposed to be scary. It is Halloween. It was scary. That was an appropriate start to our Halloween episode. We thought for episode number three um, of our podcast, we would do one that is connected with a important time of year that has... A lot of connections with films, so we are going to do a Halloween special today. That means we're going to focus on horror films. Unlike last week, slash last time, Marcus doesn't like this genre of film very much. Marcus doesn't like horror films at all, whereas Josh likes horror films a lot, don't you Josh? Yes, I do, but not necessarily the horror films in the horror category on Netflix. So it's going to be a risk for both of us. So just to remind you of what we'll do, um, we will use Josh's patented... Um, algorithm to get a random film off Netflix, this case just the horror section, for us to watch. And we'll then watch it, sort of record ourselves watching it um, for some entertainment later, and then we'll review it at the end. Um, so without further ado, Joshua, what is the uh, what is the film we are going to be getting? Have you have you plugged yourself into the uh, the generator? I have plugged myself into the generator, and um, we got number one hundred and sixty-seven. And I believe it is a film called Strange Blood. So, positively, uh, listeners, Strange Blood <laughs> has received one star on Netflix. And obviously that's not a huge amount to to kind of say for it. But that's not, not a good start for it, I suppose. No. Maybe a good start for, us, start for us. Who knows? Maybe a good start for us. Also... It's one hour, 23 minutes, That's which is brief. We've got, so we've, hopefully there's a lot of thrills packed in here. There's a bold man and he's doing a scream and there's a strange shape in the background. A scientist with a dream and a pulsating organism with miracle venom. It could mean a Nobel Prize or a mutating terror. I'm looking, be... forward, I'm looking forward to that pulsating organism. Excellent. So... That's the introduction, everybody. We're going to go away now and watch Strange Blood from 2015. Um, and then we're going to come and say hello again later. We will see you on the other side. Bye. Welcome back, everybody. We've just been enjoying the uh, delights, maybe, 
of Strange Blood from 2015. Uh, spooky delight. No, not spooky delights. No. I'm glad you stopped earlier this time. That was that was better for our ha- Halloween special. Maybe the voice will rear its head at points. Isn't that something for us all to look forward to? How did you? <laughs> You've been. It's like you wait all. It's like you wait all year to be able to do your. Well, it is voices. like the reverse of the last episode in that you loved Christmas and I'm like Christmas is all right, and now I don't dislike Halloween. I just, I just, uh, often violently detest horror films which is like an odd expression for disliking them really seeing as they are quite yeah, violent violently but like I've never it's not a thing that well I've seen some some really good horror films um, that I've enjoyed obviously the Halloween ones I've watched a few are very very good but for the most part it's not something I have always particularly enjoyed because I think there's a sort of I don't know like a certain sort of it's the kind of this one actually didn't fit into this at all which is why it was kind of fine for me it's when they're quite sadistic or were they quite deliberately like vicious towards like a person, and in the kind of slightly both a violent and but also like a really nasty kind of yeah psychological way, it just doesn't just sits very ill with me. So that's like the bleeding of torture porn into mainstream kind of cinema now. I a suppose bit. that yeah. yeah, I would imagine bleeding that's, that being the operative is. word. Oh, crikey! <laughs> but yeah, so we have had a bit of a bit of a voltifache. What a wanky, yeah. wanky phrase to get in here. Um, between this episode and the last one, whereas I was pumped full of Christmas cheer, um, I am now drained uh, <laughs> by the blood of, of, of the horror genre uh, that we've been enjoying. Whereas Joshua is having an absolute whale of a time. I've got the monster mash like looping in my head. Um, it's a scary place to be up in yeah. head at the moment, for in more ways than one. I wish I could sing it, but I don't want to get caught that's in a not, rights that's issue. Not, yeah, we don't want to get. We don't want to get you. Taken we should away. probably we don't want that crack on again. with strange blood. Yeah, keep forgetting so, what it's called. Strange blood. <laughs> so just to kind of quickly outline for everybody, uh, I suppose a quick summary of what strange blood was about. Um, starting off, we're kind of introduced through a kind of investigation to a set of kind of key characters, including Gemma, who has met a scientist called Doctor Henry Morehouse who is investigating um, or sort of, sort of uncovering in scientific ways uh, a way of curing all disease, all of it. All everyone. of the diseases, all disease at once. Disease is gone forever well, through, if you... a kind of like, through a sort of pussy growth that he's found and now keeps in a room in his house, which is uh, his science lab room is kind of demarcated through some flappy bits of plastic, which he uses to keep all the bad science out of the rest of his house. Out of his, like, weirdly hipstery typewriter hipster, house. Hipster kind of dreamy room with its with its glass glass scribbling boards on. And as we progress, um, the uh, pussy growth gets a bit bigger and sort of infects slash impregnates... Um, she. She. Her name is Ella. Ella. Sorry, forgive me. I've, I've taken away Ella's agency yeah. there. Ella impregnates Dr. Morehouse um, with some nasty bugs. Um, he then goes on a bit of a rampage um, and then sort of gets a bit better and then Gemma also gets a bit infected and her she walks out hand in hand with her monster child having vampirically killed a room full of people in a diner at the end. That's pretty much it, isn't it? It's a bit vague. It's like people aren't going to watch this one. It's not like Arthur Christmas, people knowing it, I would say. 
Mm. He just kind of in the middle a it's very degenerative process of he goes from intrigued scientist um to kind of bloodlusty madman and there's a bit of vampire genre thrown in with the sciencey genre kind of stuff um basically if you've seen david cronenberg's the fly it's that but you've, worse you've seen <laughs> you've seen strange blood because the similarities are uncanny um as i assure you we will get on to oh we will yes i've not seen the fly because i don't like horror films but josh has and josh will keep you spoilers up for the fly film? yeah spoilers as always for the film what we're talking about and in this case the fly which and apparently is virtually the same as the film what we're talking about and anything else that i think of that seems related. yes maybe spoilers for dracula the spoilers book. for stuff be spoilers. careful for those spoilers listen we'll out tag and, the spoilers and the start so Maybe we should just talk a little bit before we get into some of our favourite bits and some of the most notable aspects of what we felt about the film, I guess. Um, just a little bit what we felt about the cast, a little few notes on the cast and the characters. Maybe we'll go into too much detail in terms of the actual cast members name-wise, because they're not big. You won't know them. You won't know who they are. So if we if we go um, and say their names, whose names I don't even know. Oh, what the the humans? What are they called? Oh, what are the humans called? Yeah, find one of the their real names. names. Um, there's Robert Bretonow. Robert Bretonow, that is well known. Doctor Henry Morehouse. So and yeah. Alexandra Bard is his is Gemma assistant Gemma, and that's it really. It's a two hander yeah. really. Oh, and not to forget James Adam Lim as the detective. But he kind of flits in and out, flits and, in and, out. and then has a bit of a rough end at the end. As the wraparound uh, for the narrative. Yes. So we're mostly dealing with, well, three characters, really, of Henry, Gemma, and, and Ella. Ella, our, our pussy, pussy growth, um, stabby pussy growth that we've got, that he's got in a big glass box. Um, I feel like the acting is mixed. Yes. I would say, I w- despite... Um, actively disliking the character of Gemma at the start for one uh, specific reason that we shall place in the box of manic pixie dream girl. She likes an apple pie. No, cherry, cherry pie. pie. She likes a cherry pie. Because why would you have anything but dessert well, for dinner? Because we can live free and happy. I we? wear flowers in my hair in the laboratory even though it's probably a contaminatory hazard. The character is very annoying at the start but I actually thought that whatever her name I think was, quite, I, think I think she's, she's good. Good yeah. Um, struggling with some some bad words to say and not brilliantly Some directed. terrible dialogue, such as "You look like dog shit on toast." She says that was a point. special moment. Um, and so, there's yeah. more and more and more of those. And it's just, I think I suppose that's that's what I would say most about about her her performance in it is you can see she's somebody who actually can act quite well and has. A certain sort of ability about what she's doing, but she's kind of managing something which is very good. Yeah. Henry, on the other hand, yes, is, Mr. Robert Bretonow struggles a little bit more to to keep himself together. I would say. Yes, I would say that um, as part of what he has been directed to do and the script that he has to deal with, he obviously has to um, go through. Uh, physical and mental decline throughout the film and from boy does he decline yes and boy does he decline from a, a, a kind of a relatively put together scientist to a shaven headed blood lust monster 
And um, in doing so, he very much doesn't choose the Jeff Goldblum in the fly route of actually doing some acting and some good acting. Is he kind of does chew the scenery quite a lot? There's a lot of there's a lot of ham. Yeah, very hammy. There's a there's a very poor poor sign. Yes, with about about his acting performances in this. I feel yes. Um, it's, it's not it's not stellar. But it's, I don't it's think it's bit, his fault necessarily. I think he's been. I think directed. it's partly his fault. He's partly a bit shit, and I think his the, the directing's not very good either. Yes, but um, I suppose those two as well. Ella does a good job. She she oozes around the one. It's nicely. good. Um, it's surprisingly it's a good, good prosthetic like creature design. Yeah. This is to add because it is that kind of horror film where all the kind of gooey bits are quite important too. The general sort of quality of the special effecty stuff, although probably not massively high budget stuff. It's pretty solid. Yeah. And I think that was quite... That's something to be lauded. At least. I mean, there's some dodgy um, CGI spiders escaping from a, a wound bad. at a but point. That's not, that's not, put, see, that's not prosthetics. That's not prosthetics. That's no. the, the rest of the effects are surprisingly good in the pussy growth. I would all urge you to Google what Ella looks like. Watch the film. Just so you've got, just just so so you've you, got it in your head. Yeah. When, we're, when, we're, when you're listening to our, our tones describing this film, it would be important to have Pussy Ella in your minds. Yeah. Or in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really want it in your eyes, don't really. Want, definitely don't want Pussy Ella in your eyes. So, just moving on before we talk to um, talk to go and focus on some of our main sort of points of the film, um, what we normally do at this point is talk about what our magic moment was, our special, special thing that stood out for us as our kind of Maybe favourite, maybe kind of standout part of the film. The thing that made you, the thing that made you think, the thing that made you question, the thing that you enjoyed most. The the veritable predator trone attacking the sleigh of the film. We'll never be that one. We'll, we'll never, never be, be that one. We've peaked too soon with the exploding sleigh. Can't believe episode two we had the exploding sleigh. Um, what was your magic moment from this, Marcus? Uh, my one. My one was less. It, I suppose it is magical in some ways. Um, what I've kind of in, in kind of struggling struggling slightly my way through this film. Um, one thing that caught me about Doctor Morehouse almost from the off is how consistently grubby all of his underwear is. I think it says a lot about the film that I can say there's quite a lot of him in his underwear and it is grubby quite a lot. Not in a kind of like sort of dirty protest grubby kind of way, <laughs> but in more of a kind of like genu- generally unclean. Oh no, he's gonna have another another night time. He's doing some late night maths. He's got his hands in some worrying places. His oh no, he's just looking at his hand. He's got very grubby underwear. <laughs> Didn't have time to wash anything. He's a scientist. And I think that was what stood out most for me is whenever he's kind of like shouting about and he's scribbling his letters on the on his on his board, or he's standing next to his typewriter or whatever it is that he's doing. Um, he's, he's everything he's wearing kind of like a kind of a stereotypical 60s like gym shorts and then like a vest and they're just covered in stains would you characterise the them as gym shorts they but just look like pants they're kind of weird I don't know what they are though it's kind of like wide fronty but not quite a little bit baggier like they a nappy briefs I no I don't are. know what, I don't know what the types of pants are let's not go into pant conversation but I think but what's, grubby. what's remarkable about me. the the underwear situation is that you could kind of understand it when he um, 
during his decline element, but he's doing science in his pants at the start. And it's still grubby. And what I mean, is that? We Who all... does science in grubby pants? Sorry. We Who all... does science in grubby underwear? We all like to slum it when we're at home sometimes. Put your pyjamas on early and do some work or whatever. going into the lab. But like, he do, he's doing some dirty. serious science wearing some grubby pants in it. And like, it only get, they only get grubbier uh, and then they disappear <laughs> when he's doing, <laughs> when he's doing his science later on. Oh, they disappear. Oh, boy, do they disappear. This is not a, uh, a film that is without equal answers. opportunities, nudity, that which is a good thing. He's naked a lot in this. We don't see much of his, like, the main the main sort of area. There's a little bit of swing. A little bit of the main. <laughs> a little bit of swing. Take note, Game of Thrones, David Benioff and... David Weiss. They are listening. Equal opportunities, nudity, please. Thank they are you. listening. Thanks for that, Josh. What was your magic moment? Well, my magic moment is a bit linked in that respect, partly to the pants and partly to the the nudity Equal element. opportunities, nudity. So when we, when we were talking about acting and performances, um, we talked. We, we mentioned the fact that he that um, Robert Better now has Dr. Henry Morehouse is very hammy. And the hamminess reeks, reeks, reaches peak, peak ham, ham, peak John Ham, peak John Ham, um, during uh, a sequence that kind of, um, it's after he's discovered that he that that he's not just been stung by Ella, he's been infected, and that something is going wrong with him, and he undergoes his kind of like decline transformation sequence, and it is very strangely cut together, like little bits of footage. But um, it can only really be described as as him. Uh, he's doing some. Well, I've re- called them leapfrogs, but you don't need another person to do a leapfrog. I don't really know what a leapfrog is. You don't know what a leapfrog is. It's like when you jump over. We could do. I know what a physical yeah. leapfrog is. Yeah. But I'm sort of. Are you talking about physical action? Yeah, I the physical meant... action of doing the leapfrog. Yeah. But he, he looks like he's doing that. Oh, but yeah, he's, he's jumping around. Yeah, he's like hopping yeah, around. It's sorry. like he's doing I a leapfrog. I thought this was like a technical phrase. No, no, no. I didn't know. Yeah, That's he's okay. like doing a leapfrog, but on his own. So he's just doing a just hopping. Doing a frog, Maybe he's just doing a, a leap, frog or a leap. I think it's a, a frog. I'd say to do a frog. So he's doing a frog. Um, he's doing some cartwheels as well, and it's all very quickly cut together. He's also seemingly recording some webcam footage, where mostly he, he's not really saying anything. He's kind of just looking like eerily into the webcam. And brace yourself, listeners, because at one point. Um, he bangs the table really loudly oh. for no reason, for no discernible I like the reason. The warning that you gave everyone, yeah, there, including me, because I jump quite a lot. And very that's the only things. real jump scare that you've had in this. Thank God. Um, so he bangs the table, uh, and then he's like sitting on a big pile of books as well. Oh yeah, doing a speech. I think he's like a reflection. It's a reflection of, of talking about ideas. And yeah, the world he doesn't things. need the knowledge anymore. Because he's knowledge sucked it all up through him sitting on it. Knowledge is porridge, and it's all knowledge is porridge. To quote the thick of it, it's all <laughs> in his. It's all there. So he sits on a pile of books, and you're kind of thinking, <coughs> okay, this is very strange, but it's very kind of whatever. And then it quite sharply cuts to him in his bathroom, sans grubby, uh, grubby undergarments this time, having what can only really be described. As a very intense wank in front of the mirror. I'll let that settle. <laughs> Leapfrog. What?
so detrimentally loaded that I wouldn't survive the crunch. That's right, Magic Man out of the boat. This sequence is amazing. What happened to the lady? This, this is night time. Yeah, but what, all of it? This is one this night. This is one night, yeah. One crazy, crazy night. One crazy night. In the oh, he's cut somewhere. himself. Is he? No, he's just touching himself. See? What like that? What's this? He's doing a buffalo himself bill. Up. He's going to do a buffalo bill. Is he having a wank? Oh, yeah, no. He yeah, he is having a wank. Okay. Yeah. That's very Nicolas Cage. <laughs> he's had a wank That's and then he was sick. <laughs> oh, does he eat the vomit? They've just stuck tropes together. Is he going to have given birth to something? Does this count as one <laughs> continuous one? This is shit. Is he pulling his tongue out or is he. It's just some matter. Yeah, that does does happen. Um, And it's one of those moments that I think, I suppose you'll get a touch on it later, and I suppose it's trying to fit into whatever genre that it's It's struggling to get into. But it's just like, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay. It's really cool because he's like having a happy bounce around, doing some leapfrogs and some cuts some frogs and doing some cartwheels. And then it cuts to this. And then um, he falls on his face and vomits up what can only some be gunch. described as some matter. Some, gubby, some, like, some sort of squelchy matter. That's never really explained what it is. It just happens. It looks a bit like his tongue's fallen out, except it's not his tongue. Yeah. It's like a spare tongue. And then he kind of like eats it a little bit. Gives it a little, yeah. I think that was my magic moment was just that whole sequence because I it think was... our two magic moments are quite indicative of what this <laughs> film is like is they're they kind of simultaneously amusing in one way and then odd baffling in, baffling yeah. in another um, so just talking just thinking about some of the like our bigger our bigger kind of thoughts on the film as a whole I guess um, we kind of had kind of we were thinking about how we were going to kind of cover this I guess we were thinking both it's kind of talking about how this film works as a film in quite a practical sense and kind of how it sits um, within all the, the different things that are released and, and kind of what kind of film it is, but also then some of the kind of ideas of how the film works itself, because both of those were sort of, those are quite natural um, things to be discussing in any film, I guess. But um, in this particular case, it has quite, as you were saying, I suppose this is the most, when, when we created this as, a, as an idea for a podcast, we were kind of thinking that we'd probably trip up over a few, quite a few yeah. things like this. This is what I would... This is kind of what... I suppose they still do go straight to DVD, but... Somewhere. What what used to be kind of a straight-to-DVD kind of film in that it's unknown people, it's a very kind of... It's newcomers to the industry or whatever. Um, and to put it to put it bluntly, it's dross, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've been ter- we've been like kind of tip around, around it. The film but, is not very good. Everybody. But I feel I feel bad in doing that, and that's something we're going to talk about a lot. I feel much less bad. But I think this is <sighs> in a way put it off my chest in some ways. It's Continue. the it's the reverse of our previous episode. See previous episode after Christmas, in that you Mar- you Marcus, not you the listener, <laughs> you Marcus liked it a lot. But I think that you forgave some of the shortcomings that I really didn't enjoy because of like Christmas. your Christmasiness. 
Whereas in the reverse this time, in that you have very little time of day for this film at all. And rightly so, because it is dross. And it is not very good. I don't good. have that genre kind of... But, I'm not interested in... I'm not, I don't have that... Exactly, as you're saying. But I'm, I'm sympathetic to it. And I... I want to like it and I want it to be good. But that's not in the sense of like, oh, I went in and I wanted it to be good, so blah, blah, blah. I want it to be good. And that's what's kind of quite sad about it, really, is that I, I, it's not one of, it's not a bad film in the sense that yeah. you watch it. It's not like The Room or like the remake of The Wicker Man. It's not terrible because it's, it's so poorly made and it's so poorly acted or whatever that you go, why does this exist yeah. on celluloid? But it's funny to watch. It's it's bad because there the execution of the ideas and the translation <laughs> of an idea that I want to talk about a lot later that I think is quite good. Yeah. It, not the dominoes have not connected, yeah. and it's it's all it's not fallen down in the correct yeah. manner. I suppose that and it's quite sad it. actually. Yeah, it's, it is what's sad about it because you've got a group of people. You got you do, you get a strong feeling of some people kind of doing their best in something that they like doing and that they want to do well in and, and make a career or whatever out of in whatever, whether they're doing the acting or they're creating it and they're trying their best to do interesting things. Um, I just don't feel that for the most part I do a very good job of any of those things and mostly they're terrible. But the the heart, the, I suppose the, the kind of the effort is there. I think even then though, there's certain problems with it which run a little, not, they're not necessarily nasty, um, or maybe a little, but they're kind of, they, they feel a little off. Um, but there's, as you said, but there's it's a there's an effort there which I think is which does make it a little bit exactly as you're saying things like the room are just terrible and and therefore comically so, um, and you get and they kind of made a career out of how funny that is, um, all those Prince Charles screenings, all those interviews and all that what whatever. Um, but this feels like some people who are just trying to get in get their way into something and and it's just and they're they're trying. There's moments where they're quite good and then there's lots of moments where it's not quite right. So. It's the tragedy of of being in a creative industry in that respect it's that somebody a lot of people worked 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 really hard on this film and unfortunately what what comes out is something that it just exists really that's the only thing you can really say of it is they pat themselves on the back because they made a film which is a hard thing to do and it got picked up by paramount for distribution but ultimately that's the only real accolade of it because that's what it is it just exists And they they've made it, but it's not it's not good it's not good enough to kind of break out and for for the people involved to use it as a springboard to greater projects or whatever. But nor is it bad enough to be, to get a cult following where they can make money off it. I think so. I th- I think that is the ultimate fact about it. It is just something what exists and has been thrust into our consciousness by the random machine. Yeah. you've invented to, to find our random films and it will then disappear again forever but it was it, we've said it was dross and it was it's just not it's, it's just not anything really but it's yeah. not like the the time the time like passed fine yeah. it's not very long but it we did didn't get, pass fine yeah. I was almost shocked at how yeah. I mean it, it wasn't a long film but it didn't feel like a, it didn't feel it didn't take ages it just kind of happened and it was quite entertaining in its way and then it kind of finished whereas I would say with Arthur Christmas, I took a little longer. I found it boring, and I found it kind of like. Whereas mm. I didn't think I didn't find this. It just, it just existed, it and I just along. yeah, it rattled yeah. Yeah, um, I suppose I suppose then was probably. A good I feel bad to... kind of paying out on the on the people involved and saying that they're terrible because they 
they are, but it's it's just a fact, really, and it's very sad. Yeah. Oh. I'm very really sad. Sorry, Josh. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. This is your opportunity now, because I'm gonna hand over to you now to talk <laughs> about the things you liked about it and all that. Yeah, we're gonna talk like about the things that we liked about stuff it. Stuff that you thought were good. And the genre. Um, Marcus, what do you understand by the genre, by genre and what this the film was? Well, for me, oh, I'm gonna make you sad for a little bit. Well, part of my problem was that it. I know that it kind of has that vampire connection to things, and then it also had um, all of the kind of sciencey aspect of things, where you're like, oh, man and science, and is that good? Is that bad? Immortality, blah 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 blah. Um, and I think. And, and also, actually, thinking about it in terms of horror stuff, all the found footage element of it as well. Like, why does he keep recording things into a webcam? Why does he have all these cameras in We were quite worried about that at the start. Yeah, when you literally yeah. said, oh, found footage film. But it's like, I think that was part of the problem with it. And I think that's part of the problem with the whole thing. It's the reason why it felt like it rattled along so well and it actually didn't feel, didn't drag anyway. So he's trying to cram, like, a lot of stuff into not very much time. And as a result, none of those things get done properly. Um, and so you're kind of rattling through, you go from a kind of found footagey bit to sciencey bit to vampire bit in 80 minutes. <laughs> and that's a lot of stuff to crack through. And there's a lot of exposition. It's like exposition-y in, um, in the way that it kind of deals with the science element that just went over our heads. It might be accurate, it might be not, whatever. Science words. It was just science row. words, but it wasn't, it wasn't science words in a bad way. It was just kind of science words. Science words. But then there was also exposition in that they tried, and again, this this goes back to it being sad about um, just the the mediocreness of it. In that they they tried to create sympathy and pathos for the characters through tragic backstories, but that just didn't stick really. Well, and over complex. Was overly complex and not well written enough for it to kind of be. I think that was some of my biggest challenges with it is actually because the writing in particular and what those people were having to manage with and cope with when they were acting with it is just a lot of it just didn't make it was it was just trying to create stories and stories and stories it was like as uh, maybe unfairly but i don't i i don't think unfairly it's not like taken all of those tropes and just smashed them all together it's like oh i've had to go to rehab and also my dad's dying but also we we were apart for a bit and isn't that sad and then oh and then my kid died and then he's set up as this exceptional scientist and you never really understand why he's exceptional there's no there's no real reason to that. He just kind of is, is apparently exceptional. He's also blamed for the death of his child by his partner, who then run, who then kind of disappears. Um, again, we have no idea why he would be blamed for that. It's just kind of said, "Oh, of course she bra- blamed me," and yeah, and then she left, and it was just sort of there's it it, it goes past just thousands and thousands and thousands of things. Um, it doesn't feel like it's it's like it's touching upon certain tropes or certain uh, kind of cliches. Without giving them the actual the actual sort of meat behind them to explain why they're relevant, it's just kind of tick 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 and just kind of rattles through everything, and that's what kind of frustrates me. Yeah, I yeah. think <laughs> yeah, I I mean with with the particular example of um of Henry as you were saying about his um his tragic backstory about his his son dying of a disease and his partner blaming him and whatever, it felt like as you said both that it was designed to be that kind of sympathetic trope but also it felt like it was only there so they could give yeah. what we described as our only jump scare in the film was when he keeps seeing 
like visions of his of his dead son. But it's not like, relevant. But it's not relevant at all. Oh, is he going to have a but nightmare? I'm really excited about this as like yeah. a kind of big thing that they were doing. He's having a dream sequence. Is it a dream? Well, it is, I think it is. Or is it a nightmare? Oh, very good. Oh. It's going to be somebody's. Maybe his wife. Discombobulated her. That would make sense. Oh, it's a bit of a. Sh- oh. oh, no, it's a dead. It's a child. Dead boy. That boy must have been reaching quite high because his hand right, was level. Yeah, it was next to the same. Yeah, yeah that was like, like a wrist. Nail kind of... varnish on it. On the fingers. We'll never know. We'll never know. I'm sure we will. It's, like a, it's literally a lever that they pushed to go. Plot lever to make sure that she likes him a bit more because he's got a sad because he's got a sad family backstory and also so we can show some random pictures of an ill-looking child. Yeah, and none of those things ever come up again. No, it's it's bizarre in that it does in and I think it's part of the um the attempt to switch genre halfway through from a sciency parable to a, a vampire story. Yeah, is that that element gets dropped in that you kind of you're supposed to from contextual clues. Mm infer that the reason he's so obsessed with growing Ella to cure these diseases is because he wants to, he, he feels like that that will somehow atone for the unspecified role that he had in his son's death. Um, and But that gets dropped halfway through in favour of this like vampire bloodlust stuff yeah. in that he's like, oh, I'm now immortal. I yeah. can do what I like. I need to feed. Yeah. And it's not like he's like, he needs to feed or he needs to feed Ella to make sure that his project comes to fruition, which is what happens in the fly is that <laughs> it's consistent in that respect, in that, in that, uh, Mar- in that, Br- as you said, Martin Brundle. <laughs> <laughs> Different person. In that Brundle, um, I that might be Martin actually, yeah. in that Brundle um, tries to cure himself, but then, yeah, then goes into perfecting the teleportation technology in order to further evolution or whatever. His arc is always a man against nature kind of thing, whereas this, uh, it just disappears. As I feel that your reference to the fly might come a few times, can you quickly tell everyone what happens in the fly, including me? Because I don't know okay. the fly. So the fly um, is uh, the David Cronenberg remake of the the fly from. You've seen the, you've not seen it, but you know the the, the black and white. Um, fly from like the 40s with Vincent Price where the guy it's the teleportation machine thing where the the man goes into the teleportation machine and the fly goes in at the same time and in in the original black and white version they swap like heads and there's that famous scene at the end where it's like the fly is caught in the spider's web and it's got the the head and it's screaming in the Cronenberg version um, which we should watch (laughs) (laughs) great um I don't mean to spoil it, but it's like... Whatever. That's fine, yeah. different. Spoilers it's, for the fly. It's great. Um, they do that, but instead of it being about um, like a swapping element, it, uh, it's about like a DNA merging thing. And so um, Jeff Goldblum's DNA merges with that of the fly, with that of a fly when he goes to the teleportation machine. And he slowly degenerates physically and mentally um, from a kind of a, he goes through very similar. Well, it's exactly the same bloody film <laughs> arc to this in that he has um, an upward curve where the oh, initial yeah he's yeah, super yeah. strong. There's a, a scene in this film that is exactly the same as the scene from The Fly where he goes to a bar and uses his like newfound confidence and sexiness to pick up a woman. Um, 
And that happens in this film, except it's not sexy Jeff. It's not sexy Jeff, and he then proceeds to take her to the bathroom and slit her throat. Happy um, times. Happy times. Um, but then the kind of the it goes through like a Cronenbergian twist, yeah. and he goes all horrible and degenerates and becomes yeah. like a horrible fly monster. Basically, and it's about yeah. initially he wants to fix himself, but then he realizes his his realization is that actually. He is a he, he feels like he is a much better organism in this way, and he wants to yeah. further that research and fix his teleportation well, technology. I mean, um, it's, inter- it's interesting um, because from what little I know, I don't know tons about the horror genre, but it is one that is deliberately almost allowed to kind of borrow and to rework yeah. and reimagine. I suppose, but then I don't feel like this doesn't rework and reimagine so much as just repeat. Well, I don't know how you feel. Yeah. you know much more in the in the the kind of the the kind of the 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 man raging against God element um, it is very repetitious in the sense that it is just the fly. Um, but like the fly is the fly is Frankenstein and stuff like that. So that is repetitious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. You are allowed to do that because it is, it is a trope. There's another, like it's, it's like a mid of the range film called splice, which is also similar to this, which is about um, creating an organism to cure disease and then that goes on and whatever but yeah you are allowed to, and to, to the extent that um i knew exactly what was going to happen in this film straight josh away called, didn't I? josh called the film at about minute 15 this is going to be like the low low rent the fly isn't it and they're gonna copulate copulate <laughs> <laughs> Keep it magical, Josh. They're gonna copulate, and then like the post-credit sting will be like she gives birth to something, like in the is it the original ending to the fly? I hope or is none it... of that happens. So destroy everything. I'm pregnant. Yes. <laughs> you called that in like minute, maybe fifteen to twenty. Much earlier than that, I would say. Why does this keep what? She's killed him now because she's evil. Yeah. Minute, maybe minute 20. Yeah. And, and everything like came major spoilers for the fly. Um, it has exactly the same ending in that the 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 kind of the the man who is transformed is um slightly sympathetically redeemed at the end in his demise. Yeah. But unfortunately his sickness has been passed on um, through sexual intercourse to a child. And I I I called it immediately. As soon as I saw that it was a man and a woman scientist, I told you that they were going to... I believe I used the term copulate at the time. (laughs) I believe that you did. Um, Um, And felt that... I think think that was... It was interesting how many of those genre elements seem so present in it. And and it, it did... From what it sounds like... And you're, I think, and, and you draw upon it, it feels like somewhat more kindly that you're kind of going, oh, yeah, it's trying to do some of these interesting things. And for me, it's just like, that's just copying stuff. Yeah. And it just feels, it doesn't feel. It's but it's not interesting what, that. It's the originality is in it. It's interesting that you that you you know it's copying, but you've not seen the film. I know. It's <laughs> weird, isn't it? I now know it's copying because you told me. But you knew anyway. You felt You felt constrained and felt. Like fatigued felt, by it because it felt, I think it's because it touches on so many almost literally word for word phrases yeah. and terms that are just so 
like overused in all of these different things and it does just feel like a repeat of something um but yeah because it does rattle through so much stuff it doesn't it doesn't drag in the way that you would feel like it could um but it's interesting i think i think the, the thing that was more unexpected for me but also confusing also, yeah confusing i guess is how it kind of then just jumps towards this kind of vampiric exactly as you're saying it kind of draws upon all these different aspects of that and all the kind of sexual mores of that just all of a sudden just kick in and you've got a completely different side of a film it's just it just seems so muddled in that sense oh dear oh is he a vampire that would be a fun <laughs> twist this is the twilight sequel they didn't want him to see and also i think what frustrated me about it is how it handled a lot of those things um, just felt it's just like violent and nasty in some ways and not, not in a way that's like sadistic violence in a horror context but just kind of like violence between from a man onto a woman and that just being just something that just existed in the film and that's just kind of tolerated by it in some ways and it's just like it's just like it doesn't it just I think that's in particular where it lost me a little it's just like okay why there's no it just doesn't do. I think it's what you were talking about. Saying you were talking about earlier when we went sort of when we were just chatting about it, and that it was about it shows too much. I think, and I think, and and it it doesn't. I think some of the best horror films that I've seen, the few that I have, are where they're doing something. It's it, yeah, it shows stuff, but it shows stuff to make your mind work, and this just shows stuff to to for the sake of showing it and for the opportunity to do so. And I think, and I think that's what frustrated me about it. Yeah, I completely agree. I um, it what it's trying the clever thing it's trying to do is it's trying to incorporate um a like a, a vampire trope element into the kind of the man versus god versus science kind of thing, and I think that is an interesting idea, but it is lost in translation because um the people involved, and I think uh, well I I don't necessarily blame them. I I would kind of perhaps blame. The kind of the cultural zeitgeist. God, this is so. <laughs> the cultural, the cultural ze- zeitgeist. The cultural We've zeitgeist. Hit that zeitgeist in the face again. The cultural zeitgeist surrounding vampires and whatever is is misunderstood. In that you're exactly right. What this chooses, the element that this chooses to focus on in terms of vampirism is the gratuitous, the, the gratuitous violence and the gratuitous sex, rather than what is traditionally and it goes all the way back to bram stoker what is traditionally interesting and um both kind of frightening but also intriguing about vampirism in that dracula is a book about sex it's about a sexy man from eastern europe who comes to tight-laced victorian society and seduces a load of women and it's about the, the fear of the unknown and the the than sexuality basically and what what kind of how modernity interprets that um and i can like i feel that even though i really like francis ford coppola's dracula it's a great film but i feel that it's partly to blame for that translation of it being about um vampirism being about sexuality to being about sex it's the act of sex it's going from Something which is a bit more in your yeah. It, it, when it's, when things exist more in in the in the mind, you have so much more room to to create feeling and to create 
um, either sort of not necessarily disgust, but also but, but also kind of fear or intrigue or or obsession or all of those different feelings. Whereas as soon as it becomes just so, it's just kind of explicit, and it's just and it just and, and then it kind of and in the case of this one. Um, I mean, I, I was never particularly hooked. I was like, like, I wasn't like, damn it, they've just pissed away a good story. I was like, oh, okay, there's another slightly shit thing that they've done. Um, but it just, it, it just loses any opportunity to kind of work, work the mind a little bit and just starts becoming, I mean, it's, 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 it's I surface is the problem. It's surface, and the, it's, yeah. um, Coppola's Dracula is, is visually stunning and has visually stunning elements, but does have, despite terrible acting from Keanu Reeves, and it does have um, an interesting um, take on the Dracula story. But the problem the, is that the problem that people have... The problem is that people who have copied that and taken cues from that have not taken the right cues. They've taken the idea that, like, oh, we should take the visual elements. And what Coppola brought to Dracula in that sense was um, a remarkably graphic depiction of sex and... Uh, the idea that the best way to visually show an act of like vampirism is to just cover the screen in blood. There is a, literally a scene yeah. in Coppola's Dracula where blood gushes out of a stone. Have you seen Coppola's Dracula? I think I have. We've got Coppola's Dracula here. It's three hours long, but it's amazing. One it's for like, another, yeah. another time, another Halloween. One for another time. Not necessarily Halloween. It's great. Um, I'm sure you'll get me to watch it. Sometime. But um, yeah, that the problem is that that Coppola did these things, and people have taken them purely at surface, and th- that's the problem that this film has. Is that if you want to do um, a kind of I nearly said a science vampire story, <laughs> if you want to do a science vampire Josh, story, essentially you should have. You, I want to make I, this I think film. What's fundamentally happened, I think, is that you've you've seen it piece its stuff together in its own shitty, shoddy way. And you've kind of seen the essence of something that would have been good and make sense, and you wish you'd written it in a better yeah, way. Yeah, I could have made crap. such a good version of this film. How was it having this as your first work? I would say that in the translation from page to screen, my vision of using a parable about science with a modern vampire tale has gone somewhat awry. Is that what you feel? It makes me feel pretty bad, actually. Um, I don't it, like the. stop you in the future from committing your other kind of long catalogue of, of writings to to the hands of the filmmakers? I think I'd have to think again because whilst some of the visuals are striking, I am somewhat perturbed um, by the level of of violence towards women and it's it's not what I wanted really doesn't like, fit your vision there's some you've got to have you've got to it's part of the 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 trappings of the genre means that there has to be some mutilations and some whatever but, but not like, like this not like this though um however I am very very pleased Smash. with the exact translation of um the uh the goggles the the uh the tusk fellatio scene that's exactly how i imagined it when i wrote it was that the one when you sat and watched this like you were clearly a little bit like oh it's not really gone to plan and then you saw that and you were like no no that's it 
Then we'll have the final bit of the thing, and then it will have the bubbly stomach bit. If I'm thing. telling you, if they've cut that from from my draft, from my piece, I'm going to be furious. Seen, this is the first time you've, you've seen this in full. Did they not share the screen this to you? They, That's um, outrageous. You need to get you need to work on your rights, mate. You need to get your lawyers on this. Well, when they showed me some of the some of the dailies, you were just like, no. It's when fine. Uh, when I saw how much of a, a manic pixie dream girl they turned Gemma. From actually, from originally, it was a it was a parable about um, the difficulties of, of getting into an industry after having a, a kind of a mid-life career change or an early life career change when something goes wrong and you go through a personal trauma and trying to then rebuild piece from it, that piece it, back together. piece it back together. That's what it was supposed to be about, they and that was supposed to mirror his his the same thing. Yeah, I him, feel in to, do you mind not? Do you mind not talking over me at the moment? No, so I'm trying talk, to explain to, to you what what's going on. Um, but they just changed it into a manic pixie dream girl. I mean, that I don't even there? like cherry pie, and they've made it her favourite food. But the the long thing about how you've written this—that's <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, everybody. Josh didn't sadly like this, or maybe he did. Why didn't he shave off his eyebrows? <laughs> So should we just get on to whether we would recommend the film? Is there anything that we've not touched on that was kind of a bit mad or a bit kind of mad bits? I suppose. I suppose. Why have I mentioned those as part of my why I will not recommend this film? Maybe I should just kick off with that. I do not recommend this film. It is terrible and it's just a waste of your time. It is like it is. For me, it just represents the. I don't know. I think there's a certain if if you're somebody who really I think likes seeing the nuts and bolts of film a little bit. Actually, it's probably quite nice yeah. to look at and watch in some ways because you get to see when you kind of lose that surface of the of a fancy studio and all that kind of money and and you're seeing something a little bit more practical, a bit more nuts and bolts. That's stuff actually you might actually gain some interest from it. But generally, as a film, I think it just represents everything that's it just doesn't it's just just bad in lots of ways. I mean, I've got. When we were thinking of our magic moments, there was a few different bits which weren't necessarily magic moments, but just shit things what happened. For example, those random ex that in his in his science lab, which is in his house still, through the through the kind of plastic butcher's butcher's kind of door hanging that he's got, there's this kind of little setup there with a big glass box with uh, with Ella in it, with some holes in it as well, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but on the wall, there's a lot of X-rays. And Ella is kind of described as this kind of fleshy. She's fleshy a fleshy thing. mass, and it's just nothing about her. And bones yeah. and stuff on it. So it's just it just doesn't make sense. It's just random. It's just bad. It just doesn't. It's just the lack of thought. I think is what frustrates frustrates me in some ways. And it's just it's just like a splattering of ideas and sort of things, and they're just throwing at something. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're in a science lab. Let's just stick some X-rays on the wall. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think that's there's um, another thing in that too. regard in that. Um, when the kind of the change happens and things start to go wrong and it goes a bit mad, the lighting changes in his when house and his house becomes it's not only a kind of a like a oh he's blacked out the windows and it's darker because he doesn't like the light. It's it's red light in his it's house. Red, it's got like red fluorescent light. Yeah, it's like it's the, we, well, we lights on. Briefly thought he was in a dark room. But <coughs> no, his house has become it's got red bulbs in the thing. And it's not even like it's like, a, oh, it's a creative choice by the filmmaker. It's supposed to reflect the mood of the film. Gemma comments on it when she comes to visit. She goes, 
oh, you've you've redecorated, you've redecorated and you've changed. You've the, done some work yeah. or whatever it is, and it's just it's just baffling, utterly baffling. Yeah, there's a lot of baffling logical leaps. Um, that are kind of again, they're kind of some of them are a bit genre-y. Like the most ridiculous part, what well, the most ridiculous, <laughs> the, one of the most ridiculous parts is um, obviously he now. He now needs a lot of blood to function and drinks all the blood in the lab and sends Gemma to go and, and get some more blood. Oh, from... yeah. Well, she could just <laughs> yeah. go and get yeah. the blood. She could just go and get blood from oh, the blood yeah, bank. Just, just go down the local blood bank. Oh, I'd like local 40 pints, please. Can I have some blood? Oh, sorry. Oh, no. we've only got 10. We've only, only got 10 pints of blood in the blood shop. So he gets really pissy at her for only having 10 pints of blood, which he wolfs down like a greedy goose and gets it all down his shirt. Maybe that's why his shirt disappears. Because he gets blood all down. They've only got one. And they've only got, got the one. <laughs> got and he's like, oh, I can't wear this one. Maybe he ate it. Because Maybe he was like, I've got to eat all, I've got to get, get all, all the blood. blood. So he was like, blood and cotton. But yeah. That didn't have my magic my magic stain removal. Magical stain removal. But there's all this blood stuff. And then, like, Gemma is already pretty weirded out by him. He's shouted at her a lot. She's still there. She's still there. And he's like, like, oh, can you do me a favour, Gemma? And she goes, yes, Henry, because I love you. On day five, she's in love with him. Um, He goes like, oh, I I need, he doesn't say it, but he says, I need some of your blood. And it's like, well, what do you need the blood for? And she doesn't ask. And he's, she's like, this fine happens. with it. And then he, we go to him, like, setting up to do the blood transfusion. And he asks her to take off her trousers. And that's what's so frustrating in terms of, of that side of things. Is it kind of does these few nods where it's like, where it does that nod is like, oh, you don't think I could do something because I'm a, because I'm a woman and that sort of stuff. Where it's trying to go, oh, let's, let's subvert all those terrible norms and stuff. And then it just does awful things where it's like, oh yeah, just randomly take your trousers off and like have absolutely no explanation as to why you would actually care about this person at all. Yeah. And then just do all of these bizarre actions and then just support them and, and just and just do and, and just every it doesn't make any sense at all and like and, and to be in love with them and then, and it's only one way as well it's not like that's reciprocated it's just her loving him yeah on seemingly day five or six of their relationship like time together with one another and it's just it's just ridiculous it just it's simultaneously it, it, it thinks that it's trying to be Oh yeah, we gotta get this stuff, and we're trying to do it better and show actually no, this is all of these previous things they're outdated, but it also just fits straight in to all of the awful, awful things that just make things like that just so depressing. So we yeah, so when she takes off her trousers, the only point of it is to lead into the predicted act of copulation, um, and like at the time we hadn't collectively really twigged about the vampire thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was adamant that it was part of his transformation as an organism, that he was excreting some sort of pheromone yeah. to yeah. get that that would mean bizarre. that she would suddenly decide to go from a situation where she looks incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. In a what is essentially is in her pajamas, taking her trousers off and then having some blood taken from whatever the what's the artery in your I leg? Know, leg artery. The leg artery, the Hannibal artery, where Hannibal leg stabs artery. people. Um, to then being like, oh, all right, we'll just have, we'll just, we'll just cop off with each other because it's fine. Yeah. How would you would you recommend it? You feel more warmly towards it because I've got reasons. more. Th- I'm still. 
Are you still no, I wouldn't. No, don't watch it. Don't don't watch it. Well, no, I mean, like, watch <laughs> it. Watch it so that you can understand what we're rambling about in this case, because it's probably baffling. Um, yeah, if you get this on or after Halloween and you want to do a post Halloween, just watch The Fly instead, or watch like an int- if you want if you want the, the raging against the science thing, watch The Fly. If you want a kind of like a slightly subversive, interesting take on vampirism, whatever. Watch Coppola's Dracula, or watch um, what's the guy's called? Oh, I was going to say Joe Cornish. <laughs> it's not Joe Cornish. I can't remember his name. But there's a film called Byzantium, which is really good. Which is a gem. Which is Gemma Arterton and another young woman, and that's about um, vampirism in the modern world. And that that does the the sexuality element really well. That's quite good at reclaiming. It being about sexuality rather than being about sex, even though there is yeah. a lot of sex in it, and she's a prostitute. So, but um, so it seems ultimately what we'd say is this Halloween, everybody, don't watch this. Watch the stuff that it kind of steals things from that are better. Yeah, but I do feel bad about saying that because I feel don't like feel then bad. people have to learn. You're t- stamping down on the industry. They won't know. It's fine. Don't stamp the industry. But Can just imagine do we get hate mail because of this. From the people and on involved. that note, everybody, oh, don't forget oh. you can. What a segue that, that is! So good, that's subconsciously a, that, amazing. That was that was that was seamless. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this spooky edition of Netflix and Thrill. Just to remind you, you can get in touch with us in two different ways. Way number one is you can email us at netflixandthrillpod at gmail or you can leave a kind of commenty message type thing on our website. Again, what we made, which is www.netflixandthrill.co.uk. Um, we're still working on the on the more up to date methods of getting in touch with us. Um, we're just we're going to get some out. twitters and some socials. We just have to work out how those work first. Yeah, really. we had to rework out how to do equipment and recording. Exactly. That's everything's, why. Yeah. Everything's up in a up in a haze. We've got our new new recording kit. Um, which is very exciting, but all very confusing as well. So hopefully we'll be more on it and we'll get the social sorted. We're going to get so, it all done. Everything's going to be great. You're going to hear from us loads more. I've just realised we have not mentioned one of the best things about the film uh, in that in order to show, in order to, for Gemma to show her affection to Henry, she buys him a present. She goes, oh, I've bought you a present and the present is a pair of what we've described as science goggles. <laughs> the science goggles look like um, a cross between swimming goggles and high fashion. Uh, it's like what Mad Max would wear in the desert, but for science. And they never get used for a scientific purpose. He puts them on at the end before he... Oh, we, did we say that he burnt down his lab and burnt himself as yeah, well at the happens. end? That was his redemption. He briefly wears his goggles then as a nod to having the goggles. So Those the, goggles were great. So from the from the ashes of this film, we get to the ashes of this podcast and its, and its final moments. So um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hope you listen again the next time we do one of these. Um, say thanks, Josh. And have a very spooky Halloween!
Yeah.